welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. This morning, I want to speak on, uh, I want to read from the book of Galatians. Just one verse, chapter 2, verse 20. Paul here uh, to the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You know, we really are a blessed people. I, uh, a couple nights ago, I was <sighs> so weird. Because I, I thought, you know, I'm going to look at which countries I would feel safe as a Christian to visit with my wife and children. It's 2023, I, I feel like it's, should be pretty safe a lot of places. It's really not though. It's actually a lot of places where they, uh, it's not safe to be a Christian. And so of course I started at the A's and I'm over here looking at Afghanistan, Algeria. I say, like, okay, well, I'll choose one of those. And I chose Algeria. It's like uh, the Northern part of Africa. Well, they're like 98% Muslim. If you try to convert one of them, you go to prison for life or even worse. You can't be a Christian there. It's millions of people. They don't know, they don't know the truth. It's not safe there for a Christian. It's, and it's all over our world today. I thought how blessed we are that I could even come up here and, and, and preach a message, the truth, that we could even gather together and worship the Holy God that we could even attempt to try to win a soul at work and try to tell somebody, you know, Jesus loves you. And I, I've got to tell you about how Jesus died and was buried and rose again and how this could help you and save your life. That would cause you prison time in some places, but we have the freedom to do that here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for the freedom I have. And hey, I've been there before where I've said, you know, America is going uh, up in flames. You know, it's just terrible, the culture. But really, we've got something here still that a lot of places don't. The living God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Christ, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Today I want to speak on a message of salvation. You may be seated. A message of salvation. Today I'm going to speak, uh, step away from what's happening around the world and I'm going to speak on this simple gospel, the good news of Christ, the good news, the good news that we still have today because uh, despite what the secular news may report on and the negative tone of it, there's still some good news today. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8, there's this story about a man who had finally had enough. 
I'm sure we've all heard the story. A story I've preached on it a couple years ago. Uh, he was the demoniac of Gadara. And one day this man, just a human, just a, just a mere man like you and me, one day he snapped. Uh, no one was sure exactly what caused it. There was so much going on in his life, so many things that were happening all at once that it would have been nearly impossible to pinpoint the exact cause of his breakdown. But the fact remains, his sanity had broken. His friends and his family were left alone to try to struggle with the new reality. For this friend and father, husband, businessman, upstanding citizen was no more. As he altogether began to change and collapse under the pressures of life, those around him would begin to blame a multitude of things, such as his love for alcohol, his lack of self-control, his sometimes violent temper, and his love of money. But none of them would begin to really scratch the surface of reality because far below the vices that had plagued the man that they once knew were the spirits of darkness that drove him. Those that were on the outside looking in would never understand how slowly but surely he had sold his soul to the minions of hell. And now his lack of self-control and his often impulsive behavior had led him to first compromise with and then openly court the darkness and perversion of hell. Those around him would never understand how much he hated what he had become, yet just how powerless he was to change it. He wanted change for years. He really did. He, he wanted change, but it, it just seemed so impossible. He had tried before with all of his strength and all of his energy, everything that he could to change, but never found success. The fact of the matter was that what he was gripped by had cost him everything. His life, his family, his loved ones, his friends, they were all lost the business he had inherited from his father, the money he had loved with all of his being, the many fine things that he once owned, all of it was lost. After that fateful day when he finally snapped and became broken by the impossibility of his uh, issues and his problems, he was, the Bible says, consigned to living among the tombs he became a wild man. The Bible says that no chains could bind. He was the man who had lost his mind, his family, and his home. Now he was a, a homeless man, and, but not even really welcome to live on the streets near others as people were afraid of what he had become. And so he was a lost cause, and people had moved on. He was a man with no hope, for nobody could help him. Something was seriously wrong with this man, but nobody could figure it out. 
He wanted help but had nobody to turn to. And, and had he even attempted to venture back into civiliza civilization, back into the society that once loved on him and once embraced him, the people would come with their torches and, and with their chains to drive him away. They would chase him back into the hills, back to the graveyard where he hid among the tombs, for that is where he lived. He lived among the dead because that's what he was. He was a walking dead man, a man with no future, no hope, no dreams, not even one wishful thought about what tomorrow or next week might bring. And so he lived in the mountains among the tombs and, and through the long nights and the insufferable days, he would vent his frustrations and his self-loathing by wailing and sobbing as he cut himself with stones and glass, saying, if only I could fix this mess. If only I could take this pain away. If only there was somebody out there that could help me. For his existence was as base and bleak as could be. And he hated everything. He hated everyone. But not so much as he hated himself. He hated what he had become. He hated where he had ended up in life. He hated what his life had turned into. And he found himself so powerless to stop it. Powerless to change it. Powerless to alter the course of his life. If only there was some sort of answer to the problem. If only there was some solution to the issue. If, if only there was one who could perform a true miracle in my life. If only there was one who could step in and do the impossible. Church, what I'm speaking about is a man with many issues, many impossibilities. Addiction and failure had marked his life. He was a man who once had a family, a business, a successful life, but the darkness of the world, the emptiness of what it offered finally broke him. And now all hope was gone. This is the story that we read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. The story of a man just like any other man who became desperate and in need of a true miracle. Then the story begins to make a turn, a dramatic turn, as it begins to speak about how this God-man, church, this God-man comes on the scene, Jesus. His name was Jesus was the first time that Jesus ever went into Gentile territory. But he didn't just travel to, to Gentile territory for the first time that day, but he traveled where nobody else would travel. He went where, where nobody else would go, the worst part of town, the worst part of the city, the place where the dead lay. The drug addict hides and the unclean and, and the mentally unstable find themselves. He walked to the place in town that was the darkest, those who dwelt with the least of hope, those who lived with no peace, those who knew that there was no chance of better things to come. Who were they? They were the outcasts, 
the rejects, the unclean, the ultimate failures and losers of society, only waiting to breathe their last breath and die because there's no optimism or hope for their future. These are those who Jesus walked to that day. I should make the point this morning that there's never been any place that God has not been willing to travel to to help the lost and hurting. In the Old Testament, we read the Old Testament, it, it was often in a desert or a wilderness place. For David, it was a cave, and for Jonah, it was in the belly of a fish. For Peter, it was in prison. For John, it was a deserted island. There's never been any place that God has not been willing to travel to to help somebody that's in need. You may have nothing good to offer. You may have nothing good to offer. You may have never served God. You may be uh, an atheist, an atheist all of your life. You may have lived most of your life in sin and rebellion and in darkness. You may have known God at one point in your life. Then you forsook him. You turned back to the world no matter where you're at. No matter the condition, no matter the situation, if you call upon him and you're ready for a real change in your life, it doesn't matter how big of a mess your life is in, Jesus will travel to you. Jesus will come walking on your road. He will come your way. And so here comes Christ. And the man sees him coming. And for the first time in a long time, Something begins to change in the man's soul. All of a sudden, he sees a little light because somewhere deep within the fragments of his lost humanity, as he sees Jesus walking his way, he recognized deity. And when he saw Jesus for the first time, all of a sudden, he recognized that there is something greater than the darkness that has held me bound. And there is somebody who he just hadn't found yet who could change his situation. And in that moment, as he saw Jesus, the man began to hope. Isn't that just like Christ? Isn't that just like Christ, church? To bring life where things are dead. To bring hope where, where things are hopeless. And, and to change the situation when just all seems impossible. And isn't that where we've all been? In need of a miracle? In need of salvation? In need of God's blood to cover me and forgive me? In need of so much mercy and grace? And, and we didn't know how we were going to get it. And, and we probably walked into a church one day knowing we surely didn't deserve it. But then Christ came traveling down our broken road with so much hope and life everlasting. And so the Bible says, as the man sees Christ, he runs to him. He runs like a madman obsessed. But even then, the Bible says that the demon struggled to control him still. And when the, the man would have said words of praise, the voice of hell rose in his mouth and cried out with an unclean voice saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? 
The demons in him cried out, I beg you, don't torment us. Don't torment us. How ironic it is that the demons who are inside the man and who have tormented the, the man day and night for years have begun to cry out to the living God themselves saying, don't torment us. The devil doesn't want to be tormented, but he will torment you. And so the man was facing a battle as he desired deliverance. He hungered for real redemption, but the, the demons were fighting against him. And, and no doubt there was some anguish in this moment because he wanted to be free, but he was still bound by the chains of the enemy, chains that he had been bound by for years, chains of, of the enemy that he could never shake, never break, never escape, never run away from. But then... In the presence of Jesus, it happened. As the man did everything that he could do to get to Jesus, yet still falling so short. The Lord met him right at the place where he could go no further. Where the man had run out of strength to even get all the way to Jesus. Jesus stepped closer to him to get to the man. And so this morning you're saying, I'm so messed up. I'm so backslidden. I'm so sinful. I, I've traveled so far down the road of sin and, and darkness that even if I tried with everything that I had, I would never be able to get back to redemption. I, I would never be able to get back to Jesus. I would never be able to get back to where I need to be. I, I would never be, be able to reach his mercy again. But that's not how it works. Because here we see Christ traveling to the worst part of town where the man is living among the dead and among the caves. Nobody goes to this part of town. It's the worst that the city has to offer. But that doesn't hold Christ back. And, and he doesn't expect, when he gets there, he doesn't expect the man who as, as, as messed up and as sinful as can be to know how things are going to get better. He, he doesn't expect the man to clean up his life in that moment. All Jesus wants to do is to show himself to the man. He just wants the man to see him. And maybe if the man who has lost everything will just see Christ coming his way, then maybe, just maybe, the man will have enough hope and enough faith that Christ, Christ Jesus does care about me and, and somebody can help me and there is hope for me. And so Christ doesn't expect you to make the journey back by yourself. Because there is no journey. The journey is impossible without him to lean upon. In fact, the journey, it's all in vain without Jesus, for he is the one who makes the way. And so Christ just makes a showing. He just shows up. He just shows up in the worst part of town. He, he doesn't wait until you're better off. He just shows up in your mess. He just shows up in your brokenness. He just makes himself known right there. He tells you, I'm here. I'm still here, and, and I know what you've done, and I know where you've been, and I know what, that others may want nothing to do with you, but I'm here. 
I'm still here. And I know more about you than anybody else. And I know your issues and your problems better than anybody. And yet I'm still here. And if that means anything to you, if that means anything to you, then I can help you. And if that gives you any kind of hope that Christ has not given up on you, then he can help you. And so this is where the man's at, church. He's as sinful as can be, but yet not quite enough to cause Christ to run away. Oh, he's pretty messed up. He is, he's pretty broken, but not quite enough to cause Christ to run away and leave him. And so some hope begins to rise up. And, and in that instant, the Bible says, the Lord speaks to the spirits that have held the man bound, saying, come out of that man. And in that moment, as it was spoken, everything began to change and his sanity returned and the life that he lost was given back and all things became new again. I, I like how, uh, what the Bible says at the end of the story. This is what it says. That they came and found the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's what Christ wants to do for every person. He wants to clothe you in his mercy, his grace, his blood, his righteousness. He wants to set you free mentally and spiritually so that you leave his presence. You, you leave uh, that place, that altar place, wherever it is. You leave with a sound mind and a saved soul. You know what really happened that day? Just give me a few more minutes. I'll, I'll come to a close here. You know what really happened? The man who was living among the dead finally died. He evaluated his life and he laid it all on the altar, holding nothing back. He surrendered it all that, that he might find a, a new mind and a new life and a new beginning. And he found it. It's the same decision that every person must make to come to the foot of the cross and to surrender everything to Christ, holding nothing back. It's the only way to new life. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It all begins with this. I am crucified with Christ. And so when you come to the cross, you come with your life all in your hands. And you come with the willingness to lay that life down. And in that moment of, of true repentance, as you kneel before the Lord who died on the cross for your sins, your old life begins to vanish. And you know, we understand that when a person dies, the natural thing is to bury him. Somebody dies, you bury them. That's what water baptism is. It's the recognition that the old man has died and needs to be buried. When we go down into the water, when we go down into that watery grave, the old man, the dead man is buried with Christ. For Romans 6, 4 says, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. It's the recognition that the old man I used to be is dead and no more. 
And then even the greater news, the greater news is that after the death and after the burial comes new life. For we know Christ died, was buried, but then he rose again. The Bible calls it the promise of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached about it in the book of Acts chapter 2, saying, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit here on earth. It's the infilling of God's precious holy presence, and it's what God ultimately meant by new life. Now, I believe it's the greatest miracle that anyone can have. It's the good news that everyone needs to hear. You can be saved, and you can have new life. And so just like the man in the story, church, the Lord walks upon your path today no matter how broken, no matter how rough, no matter how ugly it is, and he just lets you know, I'm here. I'm still here. The Lord is here. I know your issues, I know your failures, and I know your problems, but I'm here, and I still love you, and I'm not willing to leave you, and I died for you, so you still mean a great deal to me. And if that means anything to you, and if you've been needing a real change in your life, I'm here, and I can help you. Let's stand this morning, church. The Lord says, I'm here, I'm here, and I can help you. Today, we look at our world all around our world, and I think that one word we could probably describe it is chaos. Our world is in chaos, and we are on our toes watching what's happening. But you know, it's all in vain and pointless and for naught and really just a waste of our time to watch our world burn in flames if our heart is not right. If my heart is not right, if I'm living in sin, if I'm traveling on the wrong road this morning, I am the one losing the battle. You can find his testimony online. I know, Paula, this week you sent me a, a video, but this is actually a different one. I guess there's several of them. But this week I watched a, a video of a, a former uh, Iranian Hezbollah fighter who had come to Jesus. You can find it online. And he tells his story about how he was raised to be a dedicated Muslim and he would read the Quran once every 10 days. This was his life. He was sold out, as he said, to Allah, praying three to five times every day and fasting often. When he was a member of Hezbollah, it was it's the Muslim militant group who practice terrorism and the persecution of anybody who does not practice Islam. He recounts participating in the killing and the hanging of Christians just to please his God. But he said that one night as he was praying and fasting, as a Muslim, a man appeared in front of him, normal size, but his being shine like light. 
Instantly in that moment, he knew he was in the presence of something holy. He ran into the corner and began to cry, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And the Lord said, I forgive you. But then the man thought, who is this who can forgive? And the Lord made himself known to the man saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The man asked, what's your name? He said, I am Jesus Christ, son of the living God. And the man says it was as if every bone was taken out of his body and he fell down to the ground and began to weep because for the first time in his life, even though he was one of the best Muslims and he was the most dedicated, he said for one of the first times in his life, he actually felt forgiven. I actually, for the first time, felt forgiven. And the Lord would show him a, a vision of the countless billions of sinners in the world. And, and the Lord would say to him, just as easily as I forgave you, I can forgive all of them too. And the Lord said, just as easy. He gives him an illustration. Just as easy as it is to drink water, I can forgive just as easy as it is for you to take a drink of water, I forgive. Today we live with the greatest opportunity in life, and that is the opportunity to know Christ Jesus and be forgiven by him and be ready for the second coming of our Lord. to recognize that Jesus is the Lord of all and that we can be forgiven just as easy as it is to take a drink of water. How easy is it for God to forgive you and me? Just as easy as it is to drink water. God can forgive you right now to take today at this moment if you're watching online he can forgive you now look no further than Christ fall to his feet ask for forgiveness and ye shall receive it so that you may leave here today with a sound mind and a saved soul the Lord forgives as they begin to sing today why don't you very personally ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, I need your mercy, your grace. I see the signs of the times all around this world, but it's in vain if I watch it, and it's pointless if I keep listening to it if my heart isn't right and my life isn't right. Lord, I, I, I fall to your feet. I, I come to the foot of the cross. Lord, begging for forgiveness. Lord, pleading with you that you would cover me with your mercy and your grace, Lord God. I believe what you said, that as easy as it is for me to drink water, you will forgive. So I ask this morning, Lord, forgive this old soul. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me and I shall be clean. Cover me with your mercy and grace, oh God.
I trust in the living God. I love you, oh Jesus. I know you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's none like thee, oh Lord. Oh Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Would you let him forgive you today? Would you seek his mercy and his forgiveness? For the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make sure my heart and my mind and my life is right. Jesus forgives. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.